Welcome to Hindsight, Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Ria Maeve, your host, and this is the podcast where guests take a moment to stop, reflect, and turn hindsight into foresight, as my guests reflect on both their personal and professional journeys. What do they wish they knew then that they know now when they started out? So today, I'm very pleased to have Karen Finlayson on the podcast, who has worked at PwC for over 25 years and is a lead partner for NHS Bodies and is a member of their PwC Supervisory Board, with over 20 years' experience working in the healthcare sector and social care ecosystem, working with organisations such as the Department of Health. She's also further accolades to her name, having won the Black British Business Awards in 2018, nestled amongst winners such as Stephen Bartlett, as Karen picked up the professional services leader of the year. Karen is also a huge advocate of diversity and helping people to achieve their potential. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. Hi, nice to see you, Ria. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Had a bit of a stressful journey yeah. now from the north after a, another storm, but yeah, made it. So really nice to see you and good to be here. Thank you so much for, for giving us your time. So Let's go back to the beginning. You're a, a northern girl like me. You grew up in, in Doncaster mm-hmm. um, in, in the 1970s. What, what was life like for you then? <laughs> so, um, yeah, growing up in Doncaster in the 1970s, if anyone knows Doncaster, it's very <laughs> much predominantly a coal mining village, or it was back in back back then so um not very a adi- not a very diverse place like yeah, london yeah uh so um but we actually had quite a strong black community did you yeah um so it was quite interesting that there was um you know a, as immigrants immigrants normally do when they sort of come from different countries they tend to find each other so we did have quite a strong network of black um family friends uh, and actually a lot of them I called aunt and uncle even though they weren't but we just grew up and we were very close I had a good group of friends um, socially I was very active in terms of going out very sporty used to enjoy um, going on holiday quite a lot and traveling so I was quite lucky that my mother was quite um, quite independent in in how she raised my, my me and my sister and so we you know I was able to travel uh, from a very young age actually from sort of 16 and going away with friends and things so um so I, I in that regard I had a quite a good um sort of open upbringing so I wasn't just stuck in Doncaster yeah. I did get the chance to travel quite a bit and it was quite funny I used to my mother used to take us to Jamaica a couple of times when we were younger and everybody would come back to school and they'd be like what did you do for your summer holidays and I'd be like oh I've just spent a month in Jamaica and they'd be like oh we went to Scarborough for the weekend <laughs> which yeah. is quite funny so um so yeah so quite quite fond memories although mm. my parents separated when I was very young so that was quite stressful because you touched on it there, your, your parents are from the Caribbean and I believe um, they came across as part of the kind of second Windrush um, generation. What, what was your sense of kind of culture and, and identity? Yeah, it's, <laughs> so this has been quite interesting. So at the time when you're growing up and you're young, mm. you know that you're not, you don't fit in. Because mm. I was born in Doncaster, so I was yeah. born literally about three miles from in the road from the house that I was raised in. And like every child, you just want to fit in, but you know you're different. You're black. (laughs) You know, you're black, so in in a very sort of, in a minority. And I can remember going to school, uh, and actually the children um, and my friends and my group of friends, it it was great. But I do remember 
um, some challenges with some of the teachers where I think... In what sense? Uh, I think they just <clears throat> they just wrote, wrote me off or didn't really aspire, didn't really... Mm. Um, didn't obviously understand the culture, yeah. didn't really embrace the culture. Um, I can remember I was um, at school with a young, a young, a young man called Michael who wasn't actually my next door neighbour, and we were separated in class because the headmistress didn't want us to be sat together. So there was all kinds of nonsense that went on, and so my, for me as an individual, my identity, I was you know quite confused because mm. I had a West Indian life at home, yeah. and then I go to school, and it was quite difficult to try and navigate it. Although I do feel that that has helped me in my later years, being able to navigate yeah. situations where I don't quite fit in or feel like I can, I can never navigate it culturally a lot easier, I think because of how what my upbringing was like and what my childhood was like. That, that's that's really interesting. Um, and, you know, how did you find education? Did, did any of that, you know, affect your kind of educational path? Hated it. <laughs> yes, it was interesting. So when I was at school... Um, I didn't really enjoy education that much. I didn't really um, try that hard. So I left school thinking I wasn't very bright or intellectual. <clears throat> and as I said, I don't, I never felt inspired. I never felt that um, the teachers really had anything, wanted me to, you know, believed in me that I could do what I ended up doing, which um, was a bit of a shock, I think, to them as probably it is to me. Mm. But um it wasn't until I left school, actually, and then I went into work. So I left school at 16. I became a, an apprentice, mm. a YTS back in the day. It was working in a very small company, which was great, actually, because it gave me great experience of being able to sort of do things from clerical to banking to answering the phone, making cups of tea. So it was mm. great working for a small company. And so I got lots of experience. And then I went and left there and then I went to work for... Um, DFS, which was um, uh, Northern Upholstery at the time. So the sofa place. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's the one. Okay. And then and I worked in their finance team for a little while. And then it was when I got there, I thought, ooh, do I really want to be doing this for the rest of my life? Yeah. Not that it was a bad company, but I just got bored. And that's when I went back into education. So I actually, and that's when I started to enjoy education because yeah. I was doing something I really enjoyed and I loved. And that was accountancy and business. So I went back to night school, redid A-levels, did the um, AAT, which is an accounting technician's course. And then the rest is history, as they say. I went on to do ACCA, then did internal auditors. And, and I loved education. For about yeah. 10 years, I just studied and worked. And so, you know, that, that's interesting. I guess, you know, you took a, a less traditional role mm. in, in, in that sense. Um, and, you know, you completed your A-levels and postgraduate degree whilst holding down a, a full-time job. Like, how was that? Um, it was tough, but I did genuinely enjoy it. At that point, I genuinely enjoyed learning and I genuinely enjoyed learning about business. Um, so it didn't feel a chore, actually. I, I just enjoyed it. I think it was a bit of a light bulb moment that I realised that actually if if there's things that I enjoy and I'm interested in, I can learn them very easily. Yeah. And actually, I'd, you know, all that sort of self-doubt I had about mm. being academic or being able to have qualifications and all those things was just then became a myth. And 
It sounds a little bit though like some of that maybe came from your teachers and they're kind of underestimating your ability mm. and that, you know, what, what was in Yeah, the and, you know, teaching's come, it's different now. Like, yeah. you know, it's very different now. But um, I, honestly, it was like a, it wasn't, a, it was just like a blur. I just really didn't enjoy being mm. at school at all. I didn't, in, other than my friends, mm. <laughs> like I said, I was quite sporty. So I had a great social network, but I didn't enjoy being in the classroom. Yeah, interesting, very interesting. So, um, you know, you took a less traditional route. You, you've you got your qualifications, your A-levels, and your postgraduate degree, um, and you start at, at PwC. Take us back to that time. What what was it like at, at the beginning? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, again, I'd had a few challenges <clears throat> before I started working at PwC, and that I'd, I'd gone to a number of recruitment agencies at the time, and... Uh, again quite dismissive about whether I'd be able to join a professional services firm because I didn't have the traditional background yeah. and I'd not gone as a graduate you know gone to university as a, as a full-time graduate so there was quite a few challenges in that respect um, that I wasn't taken very seriously however I was quite persistent and that's something I've learned about myself I'm quite a persistent person not taken seriously in, in, in what way because my CV didn't reflect what they expected to see for someone working in a professional services firm at that time. You have to remember it's like 25, yeah. 26 years ago. And to some extent, that was probably quite true in terms of what they'd seen. So the idea that you'd come to education slightly later maybe was yeah. seen as yeah. know, not quite as... And not gone to Oxford, Cambridge or yeah. a Russell Group University at that time. Yeah. Um, so I think there was a lot of... Um, Prejudice, maybe. Yeah, prejudice or unconscious bias sure. um, and a bit of, yeah, right, <laughs> you're not going to make it in professional services. But again, I, you know, that spurred me on. It made me persistent and it made me keep trying even harder. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I went, I did start and I started as a, I was part qualified at the time. And what was it like? Oh, God, man, it's so funny, actually. I was thinking about this the other day because now we're very tech, very digitally enabled and I remember then we were like having to share a laptop we didn't have a phone <laughs> we didn't have a mobile phone you know everything was a lot more you know paper-based and manual but again it was an environment that um I found quite difficult to navigate to start off with I can remember the first six months or so I thought oh is this for me am I going to enjoy it but what I learned about um working uh, in professional services the thing that I did love was working with clients yeah. and having conversations with clients interacting with clients so because I because I started at 16 and I was able to kind of have conversations with people um, of different ages different social backgrounds I did actually find working with clients really easy mm. uh, whereas some people like you know graduates who had never been experienced to meeting clients or meeting people that they weren't familiar with struggled. And you've had a long and successful career at, at PwC as I said you know you've been there over 25 years and making partner is a huge achievement. Was that always a path that you um, set out to, to achieve or did you just kind of discover as you as you go? Yeah, it was definitely the latter, uh, because in my mind, um, I'd made it when I got the job. Okay. <laughs> so that was kind of like, I've done it. Yeah. Uh, but then when I got in there, and I sort of realised the, the opportunities, um, you know, the what again, an opportunity to learn, grow, develop. I'd, again, I embraced it. And I just really enjoyed what I did. And I, and I still do. I have to say, I still love what I do. I still enjoy what I do. Um, 
but at the time when I, I didn't really understand what it took or what being yeah. a partner was about and again that was something I just had to learn and observe and watch other people and actually think about was it right for me is it something that I wanted to do although I kind of say I fell into it by the time I did go through the partnership and become a partner it was deliberate yeah I knew what I was getting into and I'm interested I guess you know in, in your personal experience I you know imagine there must have been some setbacks along the way you know how do you deal with with setbacks and um you know can you tell us about your experience there yeah I think one of the things I've learned um throughout my um adult life was that it's easy to if people have perceptions about you or you don't fit what they perceive to be someone who's successful or someone who is in an image that they're familiar with that people can write you off pretty easily yeah. so as you say I got written off more times than afford you know Ford Fiesta, <laughs> which are now obsolete uh, <laughs> but um and, and I, but that always spurred me on. It yeah. always, the more that people said, you can't do it, Karen, the more it made me want to do it. And did people say that like directly to yeah, your yeah. face or yeah, was yeah. it more implicit? No, they said it to your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I had okay. it a few times, yeah. Um, and not, like I said, not just at PwC, just before yeah. then. Um, I can remember saying to um, someone I worked for and saying, I want to be an accountant. They're like, and they laughed. Oh, <laughs> like, why is that so funny? You know, so what, yeah. So, what's funny about that? But again, it was... And I, I don't think you get that nowadays, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's a generational thing. Um, and I think there's a, there was an element of tradition. And, I, and I've never really been sort of conventionally and traditional in that sense. So I think what they saw about me and how they perceived me was not what they expected for someone, you know, if you put the two together. Yeah. So I always felt like I had to sort of prove myself. Yeah. But their lack of faith in me or lack of confidence in me gave me more you know made me more determined that's really inspirational I mean where do you think you find that inner strength from you know that's great that you could kind of channel that and put that into a positive constructive way but did you never get angry or, or, or upset um yeah yeah definitely I wouldn't say angry I'd yeah. say frustrated and I'd yeah. say upset I can remember crying once when I went I came back from a couple of interviews and getting really frustrated that um and rejected <laughs> um and mum but my mum was brilliant and I think a lot of my character around resilience definitely comes from my mum yeah although she was a little bit scared I'd say about me sort of stepping outside of tradition or stepping into a world that she wasn't familiar with she had my back 100% so I, I, you know for me I was always like well what's what's the worst that can happen <laughs> What is you the worst that can yeah, happen? Well, no, when you try again, exactly. you try something different. Exactly, and for me, because if it wasn't, you know, I wasn't scared of failing, if because I just thought, well, what have I got to lose? Yeah. I had nothing to lose in yeah. that respect, so I just thought, just go for it and see what happens. And actually, every experience was a learning experience. Yeah, I'm interested in that. So, like practically, how do you deal with with setbacks? <laughs> so. um glass of wine <laughs> book spa holiday yeah, shopping uh, no um, all value all valuable <laughs> avenues to explore yeah they're, 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 that's my immediate response okay. i have to say i'm but quite... are you a kind of stop think wait come yeah, back or I'm, are you you know 
I'm more reflective as I've got older. Mm. I'm definitely more reflective, and I'm, I'm a, I I don't tend to react in the moment as much. I tend to take a breath, basically. So one yeah. of the things I learned when um, after I had my son, um, I got into yoga. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time doing yoga, but I not only did I only get into practicing yoga, which I'm not very good at now. I'm not as flexible as I used to be, <laughs> but I got really into the um, sort of philosophy of yoga. Yeah. Um, and so, and that talks about breath and talks about pausing and meditation and, and, and things. So I'm now I'm, I'm a lot more reflective about things and I don't tend to react or get frustrated or upset or angry in the way that I would have done when I was younger because everything passes everything takes its time and things will pass things will change as someone once said to me it never rains forever mm. <laughs> although it feels like it at the minute in England but um this too shall pass and, it's again this too shall pass yeah and and everything passes so it's and then it's, it's just been able to get through that so it always gets I always get really upset when I see people who are having a really hard time and don't get me wrong you know I, I do get stressed but I tend not to sweat the small stuff too much anymore. And did you make partner the first time that you were up for it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Again, I was like, Impressive. I'm only doing it once. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, which was uh, again, you know, a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you have to put you know a lot of energy into it. Um, so yeah, so it was. Again, and, uh, and my mum was brilliant because um, at that point I was, a, you know, I was a single mum, so mm. I was going through that on my own. Um, but my family and my friends were brilliant, and my mum was brilliant. Um, uh, but yeah, I, and I look back now, actually, I did quite enjoy it because <laughs> it was again, it pushed me, it stretched me. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself as well. I, I want to touch on a couple of things that that, that you um, mentioned there, um, but just before we do, I'm interested in you know who inspired you because you've touched on the fact that you know attitudes and perceptions changed a lot, but who was your kind of inspiration or was it someone that you looked up to when when you started out? Do you know it's a really good question because um, <clears throat> I get this you know I get the phase a lot about role models and yeah. things, and I can honestly say I didn't have one role model really no I didn't or one kind of person who inspired me but what I used to see was I I found characters or bits of people that I've met in my life that I really admired and respected and so I learned not how to be them but I, I learned about them and what it was that I liked about them in a professional setting? Both, personal and professional. Okay. Um, and I'd like watch, you know, I've always been a bit of a studier of people, like what makes people yeah. tick. Uh, and yeah, there was lots of people I met. I, I met a lot of entrepreneurs when I was younger. Okay. And they How did always, you come across them? Just, <laughs> just, through, just through default and just people who I'd, I'd meet when I was doing my studying and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. things like that. And I'd read books about entrepreneurs and, you, mm. you know, I'd meet them. And I always was inspired by them because, you know, they, um, again, take risks, take chances, fail, pick themselves up, be resilient, keep going and stuff. So I, I did get a lot of inspiration from reading about people who were entrepreneurial watching people who were entrepreneurial that I met throughout my career so that inspired me but yeah I didn't have just one mm. role model 
Um, you touched on it there briefly. Um, you obviously have a, a lovely son. Um, so you had a child during your career at PwC, and I think you were the kind of primary caregiver for for, for, for a lot of that time. Mm. How did you kind of find the demands of, of balancing both your you know very successful career and um, you know home life? Yeah, again, um, tough. <laughs> Yeah. tough I think um there were three things I think that made a difference and because I, I you know I, I mentor and support a lot of my male and female parents who work and it is it's you know it's a lot harder I think being a parent nowadays than it was when I was growing up so there were three things I had a fantastic family support network so I mentioned about my parents, even though my parents were separated, they were both retired at the time and they used to help me out a lot. So that made a massive difference. And you're still based up in, in, in Doncaster? Yeah, they were, they were based in Doncaster. God bless them, they both passed away now, but um, they were fantastic. They were just amazing grandparents. So I was really, really lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends, so my friends were super supportive. Um, and we'll talk about this at the weekend, actually, to an, a friend yeah. of mine who's just going through a divorce. And yeah. sometimes what can happen when you become single, <laughs> it's hard to like spend time with other couples and with yeah. kids. But I was really lucky. So we used to go on holiday together. And, and so I had, a go, again, a really good support network. And then the third one was my son. My son was actually, when I look back now, he was... It was great. He was just great to hang around with. It was just so much fun. And I was never into into football per se. I've always I loved sport, but not football. Um, and that was his passion. So it just opened up another part of my world into football, which I do love yeah. now. And so that was our time together. He used to love playing football. I used to go and watch him. I used to take him and and stuff. And even now, we still watch the watch the football together and stuff. So. And, and two things. Um, do you ever think there was like a right time to do this? You know, sometimes you hear the narrative of the more senior you are, the more flexibility you have. Do you have any views on that? I sometimes get asked that question about, you know, oh, should I have a baby now? Should I not have a baby now? Should I start a family? And I always think if it's something you really want to do, just do it. There's never a right time because things will always come along. Things will always happen. Um that it's easy to say, oh, well, I'll wait. I'll wait another time, I'll wait another year. So I do think it's something that if if you really want to have children, um, as long as obviously you're both mutual about it, um, I don't know if there is a right time. My sister, I've got a stepsister, mm. and she had her first daughter when she was 18. Okay. So she's loving it now because her kids have grown up and she's <laughs> got another life. Mm. <laughs> so it just, it, it's all, you know, how it, how it all works out. But... Um, I just think it's one of those things, don't leave it too long because there's never a right time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And would you say that the attitude um, in the professional services industries has changed a lot um, over the past 25 years? Gosh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that is because of the younger generation. I think mm-hmm. the younger generation now are more demanding or they've, their expectations about what they want from an employer is very different to what I would expect from an employer. And so that does make um, most forward thinking, Mm. evolving employers have to respond to that. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, who would ever thought we'd be talking about hybrid working as a norm, you know, 20 years ago. So I do think the younger generation, because they're more, their expectations um, from an employer means that employers do have to step up. If you want to attract the best talent, you have to step up. Sure.
So I want to explore further um, the topic of diversity. Mm. Um, so I think as of August this year, so 2023, there are still only nine female CEOs in the FTSE 100 and in the FTSE 350. I think there are 19. What do you think um, we can do to help encourage more women to get into kind of top executive level jobs? Yeah, big question. Big question. Um, big question. Very big question. <laughs> and, you know, things have changed. Um, probably not fast enough. Um, I think there's a couple of things, really. I think there's definitely, a, I talked about role models, and like I said, mm. I, I didn't particularly have one. But I do think the more that we see senior females who are, um, you know, doing well, successful, I think that does um, inspire others and, and it does make other people realise that it can be done and it is achievable. Um, I do think that allyship is a big, a big part of that. So I do think being surrounded by whether that be male or female senior people who are going to support you sponsor you advocate for you is really important I think if you want to be successful and then the third bit really that I talked about before is that support network I do think um that it, you know you do have to find a way if you want family and all those you know all the all the things that come with being a successful woman and, and a man actually you know one of the best things that ever happened was shared paternity leave in my yeah. view um I do think you you know you do need that um to be able to 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 be successful um because I think it's just so important that you not only do you support yourself but you have that support around you as well and how can women successfully advocate for other women in professional service organisations? Yes, yeah, so I think the mentoring, coaching, developing, supporting is all really important. I think, um, you know, you should always have um, each other's backs. I think and that's really important. Mm. Um, you know, some of my, I've, I've, I've been, again, really lucky. I've got some, work with some amazing, talented women who are... Um, fierce friendly you know they're just fantastic to be around great fun um and so I think it's important that you definitely support each other and, and respect each other and have each other's backs and that's really important for females um and I do think it's about as well being able to be your authentic self as a yeah. female and not have to be male-like sure um so be that feisty feminine fiery woman and uh, and being able to be successful, but I think that comes with having been in a, an environment where you're allowed, you can be yourself. And any specific advice to women that can women or men um, that can help develop their leadership skills? You're obviously a part now and very successful, but you know, in terms of people kind of starting out and going through the ranks, what, what can they do to kind of help those leadership skills? Mm. So, <laughs> so. One of my um, early mentors said to me um, a great quote. I don't think it was intended to be a quote, but it always resonated with me. And he said, feedback tells you two things. It tells you something about yourself and it tells you something about the other person, which I think is brilliant. Wow. And so one of the things that I've always been quite um, attuned to more so as I've got older in my career is is feedback whether that's good positive constructive whatever it is because it's feedback it's always feedback and it's then how you use that to your advantage to learn about yourself so one of the things that I, I think is important to develop as a leader is definitely around self-awareness and the impact that you have on other people so I'm quite extrovert 
I can be quite, I mean, I'm tall. I can, you know, when I was younger, people used to find me quite intimidating. That was some of the feedback that mm. I used to get. And so I had to learn how to balance that and make sure that that, because that's not the, that's not who I am. But yeah. it's just that, um, you know, from a presence point of view, um, that was sometimes the, the how it made people feel. So even though I didn't agree with it in the first instance, I did realise that actually for me to be someone who doesn't have that impact, I will have to change the way that I interact with people. So it's things like that, really. So I think it's really important as a leader to think about, you know, who wants to be led by you. And part of that is about being self-aware and understanding the impact that you have on other people. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point in the importance of, of feedback and being kind of open to that. Mm. Um, just before we um, move on, what what is your approach when you're in a situation where, you know, maybe someone has made you feel a little bit out of place or someone's tone hasn't been quite right? People often say like humour can sometimes be quite good to diffuse the situation or change the, the topic. Is there any kind of practical advice you could give there? Yeah, I def I'm definitely one for humour. Yeah. <laughs> To diffuse the situation, I think, um, yeah, definitely uh, to use humour. But if I think that someone's been offensive or rude mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. um, insultive to another person, I will, I will speak up. I will sort of say, actually, I don't think that was appropriate. In or, the moment, in the moment, in the yeah, moment. yeah. I think, well, I think it has more impact in the moment. Yeah. I think um, it's too easy for people to sort of move on and not. Um, not be able to acknowledge it or say, oh, that never happened or they can deny it or say, oh, you interpreted it in the wrong way. And it's like, no, 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 no. So I think in, if you can get it in the moment, as I, as you said, it's not always easy and it you have to time it. But I do think that is that does have the most impact and it will stop not all people, but most people will reflect on it in that moment as to whether that was appropriate or not. And anyone listening to this that, you know, wanted to follow a similar path and become partner, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, advice. I think there's definitely something about um, the resilience, sure, the persistence, the working hard. It's it's some of those kind of good old fashioned ingredients yeah. um, that I think contribute to most people's success. I think, you know, make sure you you're aware of what you're walking into and what you're getting into because it's not you know it's mm. not easy um and it's it, there is you know you have to work hard so I do think but it's very rewarding in the same way so definitely there's that sense of resilience persistence working hard being an authentic leader I do think with professional services and I do think with um business generally I think actually you know maybe 20 30 years ago it was okay to be competent or technically competent and be good at your job and still be successful I do think that leadership that human that is behind the individual people look to that a lot more now and what about the kind of importance of building a network yeah well I think that's important um both professionally and personally mm. to be honest um like I'm a social creature, so I do. Like I say, I like people, and I like being able to to build a network. But again, some of the people I've met in my career have been, in some ways, I've ended up, um, I've come back round because I've had them in my network, and I've kept in touch with them, and 
they've opened doors for me and I've opened doors for them. So it's all become a little bit circular. So I do think it's really important, especially if you want to um, progress socially, in business. Um, I do think networking and, and having a, a good social circle. Clearly, you need to be careful that not everybody that you meet is going to be have your best intentions at heart. But I do think having a strong network is really important. And I guess I'm really interested in like your specific skill set because you know you said that you grew up in Doncaster in the 1970s. Um, you know your parents part of the Windrush generation, and most of your family or peer groups weren't in professional services or kind of working in the city. Like, how did you think about like breaking in and building that that network? Because obviously you've been very successful at it. <laughs> um, I probably didn't think about it too much. I didn't overthink it, so it wasn't like um. I had it all written down and I'm yeah. going to do this and it's going to end up in why. It was just using kind of the things that I was probably naturally good at. Like I said, I wasn't very academic or I didn't think I was. and But I'd use my social skills to be able to pitch, talk to clients, create a network. So um, my skills, I think, though, are... This is I'm quite practical. Sure. So I like to work things out <laughs> and so I'm not into theory in a big way I'm quite practical I'm like explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old you know how does this work so I'm curious I want to know how things work so um I think that's been part of my skill set I think you called it um yeah. it's I wasn't you know I, I like I like to be able to work things out and get things done <laughs> And then I guess the other side of the coin, are there any negatives to, to your current job or, you know, what kind of do you think your specific kind of weaknesses have been? Over the years, I think um, I'd say it's about having just having boundaries about work-life balance and making sure that I didn't compromise myself too much or compromise um, my son in particular and make sure I got that balance right and, and adjusting for that. I was giving myself enough TLC as I was. yeah my clients my staff my team <laughs> how do you uh, think about about setting boundaries um there's certain things that I was always very like I said my son was you know he loved football and so there were certain things for me that were always like red lines that I just wouldn't um compromise him for um and the things that were important to him because I couldn't be there all the time so I didn't do the school drip drop off pick up and all that stuff you know the sort of day-to-day -day stuff which is really important but I couldn't do it because I was um working away or doing you know working with uh, late at night or whatever but weekends I'd ring fence weekends and make sure that all the things he loved doing his sport and hanging out with friends and stuff that I was there um for him for those moments so and I'd also always check in with my son as well every now and again and say, am I doing all right? Have you seen me enough? Do you want to see me more? Shall we go on holiday? And just have those conversations. Feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, feedback. <laughs> um, have you ever been, say, discouraged? You just wanted to quit? No. No. Um, no, I haven't. I've always thought I'll find a way. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. <laughs> So I guess the other thing that I wanted to touch upon, as well as your role at, at PwC, you've also had some um, positions in non-executive roles, mm. um, both at kind of Doncaster College, um, and I think you've also sat on the board at Sheffield Hallam University. Um, how important is it for you to kind of feel like you're giving something back? Yeah, it's been really important, actually. Um, so 
both those institutions I studied at. <laughs> so I always felt like I had to sort of uh, pay back um, some of my time. And I think it's just, I, I enjoy being able to, like I say, learn new things, different skills and things. And it's nice to be able to just make a contribution to society in a different way. I've always done, not, I'm not doing one at the minute because I'm too busy, <laughs> but I have done quite a, about three non-executive roles um, over the years. And so it's been really important, an important part of me is being able to give something back. The other part of it as well is being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes or a client's shoes because I do a lot of work in government and health industries. So I do feel I can see the other side of things, uh, which does help me understand uh, when I'm there giving advice to my clients, I'm like, hang on a minute, you have to check, you know, does will that work? Is that practical? Will that work in this scenario? So it has given me that insight as well. And I'm interested as well, because you touched upon earlier, you know, when you're trying to get into professional services, your CV wasn't kind of atypical or, you know, what, what maybe some employees were looking at. How do you think you can help kind of encourage a more diverse pool come into the professional services? Yeah, so there's lots of things I started doing now where it's not about just CV. So it's sure. more about thinking about potential and yeah. using gaming techniques um, and looking at how people adapt in different situations rather than looking at what's on a piece of paper. So I think that's really interesting. Um, it's been a while since I've been close to the coalface in terms of recruitment, in terms of how, how it's... Um, been done and I think that's really good because I do think there is something about people's potential and how you unlock people's potential to make them aspire you know to be able to grow and develop I do think um, what can happen is people are recruited because they see what's on a piece of paper rather than thinking about oh, what could this person be in the next five ten years if they had the opportunity to do X, you know, what's going to make this person grow? So there's a lot more focus on the individual, I think, than there is on kind of what what's on a piece of paper, which I think is great. Um, I do, and obviously there's you know there's blind interviews where they don't look at names and um, and things like that, and uh, you know encourage social um, inclusion as well. So I think generally because we have had a a challenge around talent um, in the UK, I do think employers have had to be more creative about how they tap into good talent and how then they nurture that talent once they're in the organisation as well. Very interesting. What are you most proud of at PwC during your time? <laughs> um, I definitely winning the, the Black British Business Awards. Was, yeah, tell us uh, about that. Yeah, it was a real highlight. Um, and two reasons. Um, I At that point, I was the first... Um, black partner um outside of london to win that award and i came down to london to get the award so i just felt really pleased and it was just such a great achievement for me in terms of recognizing or acknowledging what i'd achieved actually mm. uh, and having that moment to reflect and i was there with some really good friends of mine who have kind of supported me through my career so it was quite an emotional experience actually uh, so I was really proud of that moment. Um, so you should be. And uh, yeah, and I had a great night. It was a really good night as well. So I really enjoyed it. So no, so it was it was that moment when it just kind of hit me. I'm like, actually, Karen, you've done all right. <laughs> and you have. You've done more than all right. You've done more than all right. You've done extremely well. Um, 
And I'm also interested in how do you continue to motivate yourself? You know, you've been at the same institution for over 25 years. Mm. And, you know, for long as I've known you, you're up at five on your emails, <laughs> blasting through emails at quarter past five, sometimes having already been to the gym. Um, how do you kind of continue to, to have that drive and, and work ethic? It's pretty inspirational, to be honest. Oh, thanks. And <laughs> I should say, don't, I don't recommend everybody does that. It's just my, work, it's my, part, my sleep you're an, you're an early riser, I aren't am, you? I'm a lark. An, yeah, I like are. to get up early and... And I like to go to the gym and walk the dog before everybody else gets out of bed because it just it just gives us my 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 me time. Um, what ins- I just think for me, life's too short. Mm. It's just very. I've had a few, um, sadly, a few bereavements, families and friends over the last couple of years, and that's probably made me realise, like I say, life is too short. And actually, I don't you know I don't really want to have any regrets of not not trying something or doing something that I wanted to do. Don't get me wrong, there's other, th- you know, there's, I'm not going to say I'm just going to keep working like that for this forever, but I have, I genuinely do still enjoy what I do. I do like what I do. I like the people I work with. Um, so that does inspire me. But I, but for me, it's all been about no regrets. It's like I said, what I, I didn't have anything to lose. So I thought, might as well just have a go, Karen, and <laughs> see what happens. I love that. Um, and and enjoy it at the same time so I think and also a lot of it was my parents so both my parents like I say they've passed away now and when I look back and think about the sacrifices they made for me and my, my sister and and others I just think you know they made so many sacrifices to give us opportunities to do make the best in our lives that we could and so therefore I just feel like I owe them that and um it's yeah and so I've got no regrets in that regard I just think what did I have to lose it's lovely that you're so appreciative and 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 reflective but I have to say you do seem to not need much sleep (laughs) (laughs) so given everything that we have discussed today taking a look back now with the benefit of hindsight what advice would you give to your younger self I would definitely say don't sweat the small stuff. Um, I think you, you mentioned it before when have I cried, have I got frustrated, have I got angry? Um, and over time I've learned that, like I say, things do move on. So, but when I was younger, you know, I probably wasn't as, as confident or as self-assured that everything is going to turn out all right because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know, do you, when you, you're sort of starting out. So I think it's definitely don't sweat the, st- the small stuff. I do spend a lot of time with... Um, um, people teenagers and mentoring and stuff and I and I always say that because I do think mentally the world is a lot harder challenging place I didn't have social media you know I didn't didn't have to worry about um popping up on TikTok or whatever it is but I do think that has changed the dynamic for the younger generation and I would say um don't sweat the small stuff sure and is there anything you would do differently Yes, there is actually. Um, <laughs> you're looking at me surprised. I would have gone to university full time. And that was one of the things my mum wanted me to do. And I didn't want to do it because I didn't. And the reason why I didn't is because I didn't think I was very bright. I didn't think I'd survive. I lacked the confidence to do it. So I, that's the one thing I would wish I had done is I wish I had gone to university straight from school. But I, I genuinely now looking back, I'm like, I could have done it. I just didn't. 
like I say, feel inspired or enjoy education at that point in my life. So I would have done that. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us and I found the conversation very insightful. Thank you, Ria. It was fantastic to see you and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, You can find us on Spotify, Hindsight, Letters to My Younger Self, where I will be publishing new episodes every week. We're also on Instagram at Benefit of Hindsight Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow the show so you're notified of new episodes coming out. And if you fancy leaving us a review, even better, as it really helps other people find us as we are new. Lastly, if you have nuggets of hindsight you'd like to share with us, or you have suggestions of a guest you'd like to hear on the show, please drop us an email at benefitofhindsightpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Look forward to speaking to you next time. (laughs) 